Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Hey, Caleb. Can a podcast about finance be entertaining? This one is. Yeah, not without alcohol. Let's mix it up. <laughs> Woo! Jason, it's a beautiful day. We've it got is. our bellies full of Mexican food. Ooh. We've got drinks in front of us here. So um, many t- so many chips. This is episode 53, so officially a our new second year. year of podcasting. Yes. We've got some fun stuff to go over here today. Let's jump right in. Today, uh, I have a curveball for you, actually. Ooh. We're going to talk about, uh, first, the, the reason that people tune in, the finance <laughs> topic, at least I think. Well, uh, We're going to talk about sinking funds today. Awesome. Yeah, sounds... Sounds intense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not. Sinking is generally bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But as we always do, we're going to have a drink while we uh, have a, a good discussion. So today, nice. Jason, have you ever heard of a New York sour? Right now. That is the first <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is... I'm excited. It's, it's pretty. It is pretty. We're drinking New York sours today. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a take on a whiskey sour, sure. which if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably had a whiskey sour. Right. With uh, those disgusting maraschino cherries. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that $3 oh, sweet sour, sour mix. I say sweet and sour. That's yeah, not I'd, the right sour I don't know. Mix. <laughs> I, I, I can almost get that like throw up feeling just thinking about it uh it's that are you carrying tums in your pocket now are you did you reach that age acid reflux in that awful sour mix this is nothing like it well good (laughs) we're not in for that there is a new york twist on it i'm not sure why it's called a new york sour in the old days we would dig in and research all of this stuff we're just gonna it's a cool drink drink. it's a cool drink so jason now just to let everybody know out there, I cheated and I wanted to try this out first. Oh, yesterday we did. We did make one of these just we to did. kind of see. However, I like the genuine reaction of a new drink, so I have thrown a curveball in here. Okay. On this one, okay. Uh oh. So what we've got here today, the New York Sour, nice. is made up of two ounces of rye or bourbon. Okay, one ounce of lemon juice, freshly squeezed. Three quarters of an ounce simple syrup. Here's an optional one: egg white. I am not brave enough to try this one yeah. yet, but it works just fine without it. And then another curveball. This is, I guess, what makes it a New York sour: is one half ounce of red wine. So this is a really cool drink to make. Jason, I used bourbon yesterday. We decided neither of us are really big whiskey sour fans. No, but this one was pretty cool. I threw rye into this one. Okay. We'll see if that extra spiciness changes things up a little bit. Yeah, because, I mean, yesterday when we tried this version, we were having a hard time. Like, the the bourbon disappeared. Yeah, but also the lemon, lemon Yeah, the lemon disappeared, disappeared. Which was yeah. good. I mean, there's half of, basic, not half of it, but, you know, it's two to one, whiskey to lemon juice. Right. That's a lot of lemon juice. Right. And it's hard for that to not make an impression on a mixed drink. But the red wine really mellowed that out quite a bit for me. Let's go ahead and take yeah, a sip let's, and see what we think of this. the rye version. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Ooh. one thing to note about this is like... That that red wine, it sits on top. Yeah. It's it's just pretty. It's very pretty. This is a uh, fun drink to make. I think this is this is better. The rye? Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree. I can I can taste it. And <laughs> it's not there's almost no yesterday there was like a little bit of that wine wine taste that uh-huh. le, that left like over. The dryness. Yeah, that dryness. Uh-huh. Man, not at all here. No. We used a, a decent red wine. Of 
Well, our local liquor store owner recommended it yeah. right away whenever I asked for red wine. He didn't even think two seconds. Didn't think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's eight years in the desert or something like that. Yeah. It's a Cabernet, I believe. Yep. This is really good. And I tried a little bit of an uh, on its own. Don't skip on the on the red wine if you have a pretty, it, it only takes a little bit. So Yeah, two I, buck I, chalk might not cut it on this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. If you have a nice wine. Here, I, I actually, because I think half the fun in this is actually making the drink. So the way that I did this is I put the bourbon in, in the, the shaker. With some ice. I put the lemon juice in. Yep. I put simple syrup in. Don't skimp, by the way, and buy the sour mix. Don't do it that way. Bad idea. This is way better. <laughs> if you than buy sour it, mix. just buy some, you know, Tums along your, with your it. Your ingredients honestly are cheaper if you buy them. You Absolutely. Know, buy just the lemon juice, even if you're not going to fresh. Yeah, then you're the going to have that gallon of sour mix stuck yeah. in the back of your refrigerator. That you're for never going to want to touch. Yeah, you, it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I basically put the whiskey, the lemon juice, and the simple syrup in the shaker. Shook that up really well. On fresh ice and a rocks glass, strain that out. And then the, the fun part of this is I don't know the science or the chemistry behind it, but you got to use a bar spoon as you're pouring just a little bit, that half ounce of red wine on top of this. Something about the wine hitting the bar spoon before it uh, goes into the drink. Uh, and did, you saw it yesterday. It didn't I, sink. No, it, it just hangs out on top. Yeah. And yesterday I kind of fumbled it a little bit and it just got all mixed in there. But this was really, really pretty before we started drinking it. Yeah. Now, it's, <laughs> now it just looks like cranberry juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I like it. The, the ride does definitely add a cool spice to it. So this yeah. is a fun drink. A lot of people out there, a whiskey sour is kind of their go-to cocktail. Sure. Yeah, throw a little bit of wine on top. It sounds really goofy, but this is this is good. It's I not, like it. It's not real sour though. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. Mm. Let's not forget, I garnish this with a Luxardo Maraschino cherry too. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. which adds to the prettiness and also the. I flavor. think that's like a prereq for all of our drinks at this point. <laughs> Most of the time, you can't go wrong. So cool. There you have it, folks. The New York sour. It's a fun drink to make. It's quite impressive when you walk in and see it all made. It it looks like we kind of knew what we were doing, and I assure <laughs> you, we do not. So today, Jason, we know how to drink them. That's the <laughs> Let's talk about sinking funds. All right. I know oh, that like this a, the is... wine didn't sink in there, you know. Hey, oh, you know yeah. what? Wow. Did I do that on purpose? I, I no. don't think so. You no, didn't. I didn't. No. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, yes, of course we did. <laughs> sinking funds. This sounds like something that like it's a New York, like a Wall Street, like hedge fund kind of like yeah. it sounds heavy duty, like intense, like, oh, well, how's you have your a sinking fund? for that, right? <laughs> it's not that. Let's define sinking funds, Jason. If you had to, Merriam-Webster defines sinking fund. Just kidding. I'm not going to Michael oh, Scott gosh. that. How would you define a sinking fund? I would define it as a pile of money that you are planning on spending for specific expenses mm-hmm. throughout a specific period of time. Usually a year is kind of the way I look at it. Okay. We also may save longer term big purchases in a sinking fund, mm-hmm. like a car purchase. That's that's what I that's what I would define it as. Okay. It's how I do it. So uh, as we usually do, I prepare some things, you prepare some things, and then we don't talk about it at all until we get in front mm-hmm. of a microphone and then yeah. see what we came up with. Except you have a notepad and I have I, nothing. Well, <laughs> I had to write stuff so I just, I defined a sinking fund as a savings account that you fund periodically an expectation for a big purchase or event. Christmas clubs are a great example of yeah, a sinking fund, perfect. right? Yeah. Retirement accounts, as I thought about it, oh, is a yeah. giant sinking fund. Sure. Well, hopefully a giant sinking fund. An HSA. Fund. But a, exactly. A health savings account, an education savings account. These are all really 
sinking funds. Correct. Right. So it's not a fancy Wall Street term. All it means is you're you're popping money, like you said. It, you're you're not just accumulating money in a savings account for a quote unquote emergency. This is different from an emergency fund. This is very specific. It's very defined what we're going to use these funds for. Remind me, Jason, to get back to a great question that Kristen asked me yesterday. Okay. Kristen's one of our relationship managers here. And as I was preparing this episode, she said, ah, sinking funds. I have a great question. Uh Oh, here we <laughs> I go. I told her I wouldn't forget. So don't <laughs> let me forget. So that's the definition of a sinking fund. Jason, let's talk a little bit more about why. And, and I don't want to let's not jump right into like the, the different re- recurring what, things that you would put into them. Yeah. Well, well, let's not like let's not put a name on it yet. But why are sinking funds a good idea? Why do you need them or or need one? I always, you, I, your account. you know, I'll tell people this like every year and it's it's amazing how often this comes up. You know, Christmas is the 25th of December. Every year. Every year. <laughs> and Surprise. Su- surprise. Here we are again. We have some expenditures. I shouldn't use a credit card, but I do. You, you know, I, I think that's as a, just a good example of why it's important. This is money you're going to spend. It already has a name on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you don't show up at the, you know, again, at the license bureau having to renew your license plates and know that that's a surprise. Yeah, happy birthday in Ohio. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these are things that, quite frankly, I think take away the emotional connection to your money. Mm-hmm. You've already spent it. Put it in the sinking funds and forget about it until you need to write the check. I, I think what you just said there was really key. You take the emotion out of it because it's a, it's already assigned a purpose. Whereas, you know, and we, we know those serial savers that yeah. accumulate and accumulate and they get really attached to their money and mm-hmm. you can't find a reason for any of it. Exactly. <laughs> but it just feels really em- emotional. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I watched a client this week write a check for an annual tax payment. I mean, visceral reaction. I was I was almost <laughs> crying. Like breaking out in a cold was, sweat, oh, hand shaking. I, I thought she was going to have hives. <laughs> And you Texas know, will do that. I'm like, it's fine. We planned for this, but this is why we want to make sure we work that tax code, right? Jason? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We want to avoid that at all costs. So yeah. But I mean, I think that, that, you know, the, the emotional side of writing a check for, let's say, you know, your roof needs replaced because mm-hmm. you know, that the, shouldn't be a surprise either. It, right? It's not. And so if it's, if it's a $15,000 check and you haven't saved for it, that's rough. You know, you're probably giving something up like a vacation or mm-hmm. an upgrade to a car or maybe even worse, you know, things that you really do need. So we don't want to be in that situation. Then that's why sinking funds as part of your budget line items are just so important. Yeah. So I, I think baseline, some of the things I wrote down here, reasons for starting a sinking fund or sinking funds, however you want to do your your accounting. And, and we're not getting into the things that we use sinking funds for. But quite frankly, we suck at savings. <laughs> right. That's why, I mean, as Americans, yeah. uh, we save. The, I looked at something and I don't know how accurate it is. I saw something like 4% of our take-home pay is, is what we, on average, save. So that usually doesn't get the job done for, for these things that we're talking about that do come up pretty regularly. And we'll go through a, a list. We talked about Christmas, the 25th of December sure. every year. <laughs> the uh, plates and vehicle registrations, your birthday every year, at every, least here I don't in Ohio. Know, people hate that one for some reason. That's like, well, probably because of the experience to go get them. I hate standing in line. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I 
hopefully, I don't know. I, hopefully, people that work at our BMV do listen to our podcast. But <laughs> if they do, look, I know every time I go in around my birthday, the computers are down. And I go, hey, every time I'm in here, the computers are down. And every time I say that, I get, oh, no, this doesn't happen very often oh, at all. Sure. I'm like, yeah, on my birthday every year, actually. <laughs> um, Happy birthday. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think it has a lot to do with the experience of standing in line and, you know, taxes and they're taking your money. And right, right. Are we doing yeah, anyway? I guess that's true. So it, anyway, some, you know, license plates are a good one. I mean, it, I just think it takes away the emotion. So just put it well, in there. And let's even think about fun things like vacations. Sure. You know? Maybe vacation comes up every summer, you know? Yeah. So if you spent, you know, $3,000 on a vacation, which is a lot. Divide it by 12 and save that in your sinking funds every month. Yeah. Great example now. And we're talking like short-term funds, right? Right. Um, but even new car right. know, or or a new to you used car. The example I wrote down, again, these don't last forever, right? If you're planning on buying a new used car, good luck finding a new car for $20,000. But you know, $20,000 in five years, that's $334 a month. That sounds like a car payment, right? Absolutely. So you kind of think of it, you know, you're making the payment on it mm-hmm. now. Right. So then when it, t- it comes time to write the check, the money's there. Exactly. Rather than having to go out and borrow and then make a payment. Yeah. Right? It's All we're doing is we're front-loading payments. That's right. Insta- it's, a, it's an installment loan to yourself. Exactly. So uh, some other reasons I Without have Without the interest, now, man. Yes, exactly. And Absolutely. That's already, the important part. It's already bad enough cars depreciate so fast. Yeah. I mean, look, the last you know seven, eight months have been very unusual for used cars. Yeah. That's not normal, folks. You know, If you go out and buy a used car now, just expect it to be worth 50% less in well, a year. It, and I think people like the fact that their used cars are worth more uh, than they were a year or two ago. But here's the deal. Money's you, worth less. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, Different back, episodes. Go, go check out our inflation episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but honestly, uh, the, the issue with that is I don't care what it's worth. I still need it. If you're going to sell it and make money on your car, you have to replace it with something. Unless exactly. you don't, right. um, I well, guess. But, that's strange. But I mean, let's let's uh, go along that, that same yep. line. Um, tires, brakes, vehicle repairs, right? Mm-hmm. And again, sinking funds, these are more for expected things. So I have things like medical bills. I would say expected medical bills. Like yeah. maybe you're going to have an operation. You know, memberships. If you think about memberships, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you belong to a fraternity or, you know, the golf Eagles or whatever. Something golf like that. clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, any any of those. the A bourbon club. Bourbon club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those are things that you can, you know, taxes, Jason. Taxes. What about taxes? Ah, man. Sinking fun for taxes. Maybe that would make that visceral feeling a little bit better. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is such a thing as estimated taxes. That's right, but uh, it's still so. hard to write those checks. <laughs> what about insurance, right? Insurance premiums. Sure. They come up every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, homeowners insurance. Car insurance. Those things should not be surprises. They should not be things that wreck the budget and cause you to borrow money. Yeah, when April comes Credit around, card. I don't have any money, you know, because we have insurance <laughs> premiums due. And yeah. it's like... And taxes. Yeah, Jeez, and why taxes. did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, a way to wreck your month. And that's the thing. If you don't plan for it, it will wreck the month. It will wreck the budget. And that's how people end up with credit card debt and yep. things like that. Or unsecured personal loans, high interest loans, and, and things of that nature. Exactly. Or equity loans on a house. You know, you think about that that client who had their house paid off 10 years ago, but all of a sudden they have a mortgage for you know just about what the house is worth. Well, where did it all go? Well, it was borrowing for little things like this that should be 
planned for, budgeted for. So this well, is I mean, a budgeting episode. Yeah, withdrawals definitely. from your IRAs would be another one. I mean, oh, absolutely. I've seen people do that pre-59 and a half, and that's rough. I mean, it's hard to, that's hard to recover from. So again, these are, yeah. these are important, think, important. Think about it. It's, it's a lot harder when we deal with clients who are maxing out IRAs. For most, it's harder for them to come up with that $6,000 check each year than it is to do it monthly. Absolutely. Or, you know, you look at a 401k or something like that. You do that every pay period. You right. don't even think about it. Why you do you think money. why do you think income taxes are paid the way they're paid? Because we would have a, a revolution oh, on our hands other big time. Tar and feathering would be <laughs> yeah. a normal thing. Like <laughs> when you stop and look at how much taxes you're paying, if you added it all up and I mean go look at your pay stub from last year. It's or tax, don't. Yeah, yeah, or don't. If you want to have a nice weekend. Yeah, don't. exactly. Exactly. I mean it's easier for the government to get away with sure. it. It's also easier for your budget to save on a by paycheck or monthly basis. I, I always said we would have a real problem on our hands if our employers paid us in cash once a year. And before we walked out the door, an IRS agent was there to settle up with you and say, okay, well, we need this. And then, oh, the, the, <laughs> the, state, the state is there with theirs and the city and the school district. And you had to shell this money out, right? We would have a real problem on our hands. So yeah, yeah. it's good that we do it every pay exactly. period versus. But that's a similar idea. And the thing that I, I kept going back to where I sometimes I blow my own mind, Jason. <laughs> and I thought about retirement accounts and things like that. That's a it's a giant sinking fund. Let's get back to the question that Kristen had, because I thought this was a really good question. And you touched on it before. Mm-hmm. I like to use a sinking fund for planned or known expenses that are going to come up within the next year, right? Okay. So let's think about like a, a big issue, like a roof on a house, which okay, sure. nowadays it's nothing for $20,000 for a new roof, right? Mm-hmm. You probably want to start saving before that's a year out, right? Right. Because that's going to be a pretty big sinking fund, a pretty big part of that year's budget if that's the case. So mm-hmm. the question that Kristen asked, and I thought this was a, a really fantastic question was, okay, well, let's say new car is on the list and, sure. and $20,000 is not a reasonable number. Maybe it's a $50,000. You know, at what point do you take that sinking fund and maybe invest it and try to earn something on that money Ooh. if you're five, six, seven years out from that sinking fund being fully funded and, and needed to rely upon? So this is a, this is a great, great question. And I'm not sure we're going to agree. Okay, here we go. Well, that's what makes us fun. That's right. I can't invest my sinking fund. Okay. And I'll tell you why. It's because I can't imagine my sinking fund going down in value and have the expense happen sooner rather than later. Okay. I'm not going to save for even a roof probably any sooner than maybe three years, four at the most. I throw a little extra. I mean, like in our business, we throw a little extra in there mm-hmm. every every month. I just can't. I can't emotionally get over it and be like, yeah, I'm comfortable with trying to go out and get a rate of return. In my mind, when I put that money in the sinking fund, it's spent. Okay. You know what? I like that you said that because maybe you and I don't disagree as much as you thought we might. And what I said to Kristen was, you know, I and you know me, I look at averages and things like that. I make a lot of determinate. I, I like to shut my feelings off as much as possible when I make these types of decisions. If you're five years out, I think it might be okay to invest some of it, some of it. If it's a car, you know, you do have, and even with a roof or something like that, you do have something to say about exactly when that check is cut. Insurance premiums, forget about it. Right. Taxes, forget about it. That needs to be done uh, at a certain day, uh, a certain date and time, regardless of what the markets are doing. 
But I told her, I kind of like the idea of that new car fund, maybe investing some of that. Historically speaking, over a five-year period, we got about an 80% chance that we're going to be higher. You know, I would argue whether the, uh, you know, the new car fund needs to happen. Let's say you go out and you buy your new car now, you, mm-hmm. you spend money out of your sinking fund, and you start payments right back up. You know, I, I, I don't think that that's totally the right way of doing it because the longevity of your vehicle hopefully is longer than, you know, five or six years. So there's where the differences in opinions can come in because you know me, I will drive something until it will not go anymore. (laughs) So for me to start saving immediately after buying a car, I I got a lot of years that I don't have to worry about putting money in that. You should put that money somewhere else is my point. Now, whether... Now, if you don't have the discipline, mm-hmm. that's different. It's like, I can't, I'm going to save $350 a month no matter what for the rest of my life for a car. Okay, that's different. But if that account does grow to an obnoxious sum of money, like you could buy two cars yeah. because you don't actually replace it. It doesn't mean you have to use that whole fund right. for that car. Well, then, then you're either, lying right? to yourself. You <laughs> yeah. know, this isn't actually a car sinking fund. This yeah. is a savings account. And that's, uh, that's a little bit different. The, the moral of the story, I think, is the discipline part of it. And this is another way that we, we force discipline. It's the reason that we take contributions to our, our retirement accounts from our paycheck on a biweekly basis. We're, we're doing the same thing essentially here. So there's no wrong or right answer about investing a sinking fund, in my opinion. Now, I would tell you if it's one or two years out, I wouldn't mess with it because as we've seen in the markets, anything can happen over a one or a two year time period, right? Right. But if you're in that mindset, like you say you are, hey, that money is spent, it's earmarked, I can't do it mentally, psychologically. Like it or not, money is psychological, it's mental, it's emotional. So we try to separate those things from money as much as possible. But this is where I'd say, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. You're going to see the value of that account kind of like eventually as time goes on, it's going to kind of like hang out in a range. Mm -hmm. It's not going to like keep, and I think a saver and Kristen's a saver, like a saver. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you think you're going to see the value of that account continue to grow. Mine, you know, again, mine just kind of hangs out in a specific dollar amount Mm -hmm. and it's because I'm spending money out of it almost always. Mm -hmm. And so you know, just logistically, like I have a, like a calendar and I write down in January, I have these things in February, I have these things in March. So I know what's coming and are the approximate dollar amounts. So I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead, but no, you know, no. it, it's like, those are the things that kind of help you get going. And eventually after I would say about a year, you start to get just the range of the dollars that are going to sit in that sinking sinking fund. Yeah, what what I'm thinking right now, I'm I'm trying not to, I'm holding back a smile <laughs> slash laugh is the engineers out there. Oh boy, who are already doing all of this on you know a collection of spreadsheets. I by the way, I love you. <laughs> but you know, I, I think as far as investing goes, some of them might look at it and say, well, for five years, why do I save X amount when I'm assuming? 8% return on yeah, money. I know. Can you back into a smaller number? The answer is sure. When you do the math though, and I know sometimes this is hard for like the engineer types and exactly. the control freaks and things like that. You look at the difference in the numbers, it's not all that much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they want to know to the penny. There's no wrong or right way to do it. I would say the right way to do it is do it. Just get started. Just do it. Pick a number. Yeah. Okay. Like if you if you think last year you spent, I mean, just start listing some of these things we we talked about earlier assign them a value. Don't go back in your debit card and your credit card statements and try to figure it out. Just guess. Okay. And if it's like, I got to save $750 a month to cover these other expenses, 
fine. Budgeting, you're often wrong. Yeah. And some we just it we struggle with that. Well, we've done we've done a budgeting episode and what we find is the best way to do that is monthly. Right. Because every month is a little bit different. Um, so I think the moral of the story is that, you know, sinking funds are a good thing to have. They're a good thing to start. How do we start a, a sinking fund? Now, you're, you're listening and you say, this is great. Okay, I want to have a sinking fund for X, Y, Z, all these things. So how do I go about starting one? Jason, you started talking about how you do things. You want to get started. You've listened to the episode. You love it. I, I'm bought in on sinking funds. Right. What do I do? Yeah. So here, what I'm going to tell you is what I recommend to clients. And it's it's really uh, simple. I want you to open another checking account. Okay. I want this money separated from your emergency fund, from your regular operating account. Okay. But I don't, I don't think you need to have multiple accounts. Okay. <laughs> like don't go in and kill your banker and be like, I need 14 checking accounts. Well, your banker might love you. They might it. like that, yeah, because they're incentivized. <laughs> but you know, the the reality is, is what I what I w- would say is, and the best way I've seen it is, try to allocate the dollars. Almost, I like to use a spreadsheet. A yellow pad works fine though too. Yeah. I'm going to list my categories. And I'm going to say I need forty eight dollars a month for insurance, and I'm going to put seven hundred and fifty bucks in. But forty eight dollars is earmarked to the insurance fund, mm-hmm. and I kind of have like little sub accounts on a spreadsheet or on a yellow pad, so I know what every stinking dollar in the sinking fund is there for. Mm-hmm. Okay, now if you have fluff, okay, call it fluff. Okay, <laughs> don't lie to yourself and say that you're going to use it for something else. Yeah, uh, but I like to keep kind of a ledger of the categories. Okay. So I know again, cause I'm going to go back and be like, it's time for vacation. My family wants to go to the beach mm-hmm. and I'll go to my little spreadsheet and I'm like, there's $2,700 there. I'm going to take $2,700 out of my sinking fund. Yeah. From, from the one account that has a bigger dollar amount, it sort of reminds me of how like churches and charities and stuff like that do restricted funds. Accounting. Yeah. 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 And, that's kind of how this is. I really, yeah. For the accounting nerds out there, that's the way I look at it is kind of a restricted, a restricted funds balance sheet. You've got one fund. So again, you're not, <laughs> you're not dealing with 20 different statements every month. Yeah. If you got to um, like scroll down when you see your accounts list, yeah. when you log in online, that's a problem. That's a good way to lose track. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the way I would do it too. A completely separate account. And for a lot of folks from a discipline aspect, maybe set up a bank account at another bank entirely. But yeah, I think a spreadsheet's a really great way to track it. But I think the, the main thing is really, you know, and, and as far as funding it goes, I'm a big proponent of automatic transfers. Yep. Because you know that, you know, with, let's say you've got five different sinking funds established in your head and that comes out to $1,000 a month for the things that you want to fund. Just like anything else that we do that we succeed at, it's we usually set our minds, we put it on autopilot, and we don't deviate. So, Well, I mean, that's the biggest issue in budgeting. We know that the dollars at the bottom just disappear. So yeah. you got you to gotta tell them where to go. Tell, Tell them where, them where to, to go. go. <laughs> <laughs> so th- On that note, <laughs> I, I, think this is a, I think this is a really good episode. I think it goes hand in hand with budgeting. Jason, bottom line, sinking funds. You for them or again them? I'm for them. <laughs> I'm also not that great at them. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to admit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am going to admit. Do them. as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. 
We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Yeah. Cheers. I'm sinking. <laughs> <laughs>